afraid not to tell, afraid to tell, afraid to please, afraid to displease. It almost feels like you're like you're walking on eggshells, doesn't it? You're afraid. I want you to walk with me today on solid ground. I want you to walk with me today and go on a mental, scriptural, emotional journey that will make you face some of your worst fears. I want you to face some of your worst fears this morning, the unhealthy fear. I want you to place, replace those unhealthy fears this morning with, with healthy fear. I want you to replace the weak with the strong. I want you to replace the shifting with the solid. You know, when we are through today, it's my hope that you will replace this unhealthy fear with a healthy fear that I like to call courage. That's my definition of courage. Healthy fear. Because in courage, you're, you're still afraid. You're still afraid. You see, many times we seek after the things that we know will not give us security. Many times because we are afraid, we seek after things, people, places. That's what I mean. Things that, like our friends and our family, you know, it doesn't have to be sinister. It doesn't have to be sinister. It doesn't have to be a sin. But it can be. We, we, try, to, we, fi- we try to find security in, in, in a mere human being or in a mere thing or in a mere place. And depending upon our problem, many times we do. We find a, a security of sorts, but it's a, it's a false security that we find. Putting our trust and hope in a mere human or a mere thing limits our abilities. It limits our abilities. In America, we're, defra- we're afraid to let go of the world. The world contains all the things that we see with our eyes, we can, we can touch with our hands, we can, we can taste with our mouths, and we're afraid to let those things go. Seeable, doable things. And we're afraid to let go of them in our fear. Well, it's like the waves of the sea that we saw that will tumble us along if given the chance. It's a fear of being rejected by the world. It's a fear that hinders our service to God. And the world may lash out, we are afraid. They, they may lash out at us. They may hurt us. It's a fear. But it does not have to be this way. It does not have to be this way. We can have courage. We can have courage. The world and the people in it need not get the upper hand in our lives. Do you want to be truly self-sufficient? I've abandoned this, if you don't know. (laughs) It's not working the way I want it to work. Do you want to be truly self-sufficient? You want to be truly self-sufficient. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. 
If you will put your trust in the Almighty God, the world and its fear will be a thing of the past. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, when the apostles put God first, their, their world did lash out. But each time, in Acts chapter 4, verse 19, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Seeking God first. Putting Him before man, before things, before places. Putting God first will help each and every one of us develop courage in this world. And we want to be courageous in the face of life. We, we want to be courageous. And we start out many times with, with good intentions. We, we mean well. We don't start out to lie, do we? We, we? we don't start out to be a liar. But in life, lies develop. You know, we didn't start out to be a cheater. We didn't start out to steal. But that's where many of us wake up and find ourselves. You didn't start out that this particular relationship that you're in would go in this direction, yet it has. You didn't start out that way. And fear grips tight. Unhealthy fear grips tight. Fear of losing pulls at us prevents us from enjoying the blessings we have. You know, and the mess you're in right now, whatever mess you're in, whatever fear that you have, whatever mess you're in right now, whatever it is, it's your mess. Your best thinking got you to the point you're in right now. But, if we could faithfully follow Christ... If we could faithfully follow Christ, just do what He says. Use His thinking. Follow His lead. What we need is a David-facing Goliath mentality. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel. If you notice in the account written in 1 Samuel chapter 17, that, that David-facing Goliath mentality comes through. Around verse 40, David is putting off the armor of a soldier and he goes and selects five smooth stones. Five smooth stones from the brook. Why five? Why just five? Why not seven? Why not just one? He just needed one. In verse 49, he only uses one to bring Goliath down, the Scripture says. Why five from the brook? Does this, does this show a lack of trust in God? No. David trusted God. One of those stones was for Goliath. It was used correctly. He brought Goliath down with it. The other four are an example of what could be, what could have happened. When dealing with giants of this world, we need to pick up we need to prepare for what could happen. We need to be ready for anything. David picked up five stones. He prepared. He prepared for whatever. You need to prepare too. To take on this giant, step out with your sling and throw the first stone, which is taking responsibility for you.
John Maxwell said this, The greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the day we truly grow up. By taking responsibility for ourselves, for our past, for our future, we can have a a clear conscience as we faithfully follow Jesus Christ. If you who are well-meaning but fearful would pick up the five stones of believing the Word of God, believing that Jesus is God, repenting of your sins, confessing in the name of Jesus before others, being baptized into Christ, and then faithfully following Christ until the day you die, confessing to God and repenting of your sins as you do sin, you will defeat the giant of this world and gain eternal life. But no one likes to get hurt, do they? No one likes to get hurt. And you get hurt all the time, don't you? Some of the worst cuts are from family and friends who don't know what it means to be a Christian and they wonder why you are as you are. I've almost decided that peer pressure, peer pressure is the 21st century American's persecution. When I was young, peer pressure was considered to be only the folly of youth. But as I have grown older, that's not the truth. Yes, our young people deal with peer pressure, but so do our old people. I know and have known aged, solid Christians in the twilight of their lives be drugged down and leave the truth because of family and friends. Who, who though well-meaning, their friends and their family are, are well-meaning, but they don't know the truth themselves and they turn my aged brother or sister away from the truth. I've seen Christians my own age because of unhealthy fear begin to believe the lie that I'm okay and you're okay. All so we can keep the relationship intact and nobody gets mad and nobody gets hurt. That's the way things are. If you fear getting hurt, that's normal. But what we need to develop with our friends, our, our family, ourselves, is healthy fear or courage. Endure persecution no matter how subtle. That's what it is, folks. It's, it's persecution. Subtle, 21st century American persecution. Make sure our true love for others overrides our love for self. What do I mean? Well, look back in the Old Testament at Esther, the book of Esther. She's a great example. In Esther chapter 4, Queen Esther speaks to Mordecai through an emissary and tells him of the law that forbids anyone from coming into the king's presence. If you came into the king's presence without him saying it was okay, you could be killed. The law states, verse 11, Put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter. That's what Queen Esther told Mordecai through the emissary. 
You know, we face our friends, we face our family to tell them of the love of Christ and the truth found in the New Testament. And we face the possibility of being socially slain. We face the possibility of being emotionally murdered. That's the truth. That's the way things are in your life, Christian. And we know there's the possibility, though, that they can hold out the scepter to us and allow us to come into their inner circle and make our case. But unhealthy fear that we carry around will not allow us to even do that. It will not allow us to even ask. We hesitate, then procrastinate, then we are silent. Esther, through the emissary, told Mordecai of her fear of physical death. But look at verse 13. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Replace Unhealthy fear with healthy fear. Courage. You're going to be afraid anyway. You're going to be afraid anyway. Do it. Face your fear. Stand up to it. Conquer your fear by seeking God's kingdom first, faithfully following Christ, and your love for others will override your love for self. And we will realize perfect love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. You can have the courage to tell your friends, to tell your family, to tell your co-workers, to tell your classmates, to tell your grandparents, to tell your grandchildren of the truth found in Jesus Christ. Who knows whether you have come into the church for such a time as this. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to face your family. It's hard to face your friends when you really can't get a hold of yourself. No one starts out to sin. James said, James chapter 1, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Verse 14. James tells us about this temptation we all face. He says, each one is tempted when is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Like I said, we don't start out to sin, but we have desires, we have wants. They entice us, don't they? Richard Bach said, The worst lies are the lies we tell ourselves. He said, We live in denial of what we do and even what we think. We do this because... We are afraid. Now here's where preparation and accepting responsibility can can help prevent sin. But fear pushes us, doesn't it? 
Fear pushes us. It pushes at us. It motivates us to disobey God. This desire that we desire, it says here that it entices us. The word entice could also mean to catch by bait. First day of spring, about time to get fishing, isn't it? The bait to a fish says, I'm real. I'm real. I'm real. Then it's got you. Gotcha. That's the way it is. James says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Paul, in the book of Romans, he recognizes this, this, this death that sin brings. He says in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, O wretched man I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? And here's the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We must endure temptation. If we endure temptation, look back at James chapter 1, verse 12. I didn't read it all. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Instead of giving in to unhealthy fear, we can use courage. There's fear in courage. But it's used to rise above fear. There are many ways to do this. Many ways to endure temptation and persecution. But one way that I enjoy, and you can enjoy too, is found in Paul's example of Acts chapter 28. In Acts chapter 20 we find Paul headed to Jerusalem against the advice of some of his friends. They were afraid that, that Paul would be killed. But Paul, ever courageous, sought the kingdom of God first. He faithfully followed Jesus Christ and was prepared to face and conquer persecution and temptation. And in chapter 21, Paul's arrested. He's bounced around to the various authorities, to Felix, the governor, uh, the Sanhedrin. Till in chapter 25, as his right as a Roman citizen, he appeals to Caesar. And in chapter 27, as a prisoner, Paul begins his journey to Rome where he endures a violent storm. He endures a terrible shipwreck. He's shipwrecked on the island of Malta and he endures snake bite. Then in chapter 28, Paul makes it to the Italian coast. And I'm sure Paul's bank of courage was, was depleted. But notice in verse 15, chapter 28, Acts chapter 28, verse 15. On his way to Rome, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apia Forum in three ends. And notice, when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When I come in here, every day I do, and I see you, I take courage. It's a bank of courage that we can all draw from. A bank of courage that as long as we come together and do not forsake the assembly as some do, if we come together, we can draw from that bank of courage, that togetherness. And we're scared. We fear death. We fear taxes. We fear family, we fear friends, we fear our social standing. 
And this fear hinders our service to God. Prevents us from enjoying the blessings that God has for us. God has so many blessings in this life, yet we are too afraid to accept them. Keeps us from getting hurt, though, in this life. Keeps us from getting hurt, but gives no thought to the life to come. But if we seek the kingdom of God first in our life and faithfully follow Christ, we can have the courage to endure persecution, temptation. We can face and conquer our fear by turning unhealthy fear into healthy fear, courage. Start your journey toward victory. Today, by becoming a Christian, this is a victory over death. You can have a victory over death by becoming a Christian today. And if you are a Christian, make sure your conscience is clear. As together we stand and sing.